At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. Hello there. It is August 4th, and I want to welcome all of you to the table for another edition of Political Breakfast. I'm Lisa Ram, Republican strategist Brian Robinson, of course, is here. And filling in for Theron Johnson this week is Alexis Scott, Democratic strategist and former member of the Georgia Gang. So it is great to have you and great to see you. Thanks, Lisa. Glad to be back. Brian, how are you today? Welcome, Alexis. Good to have you. Well, it's a perfect time to be here because Georgia, once again, is in the national spotlight, wouldn't you think? You know, we've had a lot of activity in recent months and and particularly in the last week or so. You know, we've got the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen coming uh, this week for infrastructure talks. And then you had the Democrats heading to Washington to talk about uh, election reform, again, putting Georgia on the map. And the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, Xavier Basara, here to talk health. So... I don't know, Brian, what, what does it all mean? Have things changed or, or what? It shows that Georgia is the center of the political universe, and we will continue to be for the next three years, at least, until we see what the 2024 presidential election holds. But also, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Georgia in 2022. We've got another major U.S. Senate seat on the, the line here. Raphael Warnock, of course, won a two-year term in a special election. And a governor's race that will be... Uh, of national import, even though the governor of Georgia only has say over our borders, people will be watching partly because you know, President Trump has targeted uh, Governor Kemp in such a way that it'll be a part of our primary uh, next year. And then, of course, beyond that, uh, we have Stacey Abrams, who has got her own national profile and certainly national platform. So, Having Secretary of Health and Human Services coming here to talk about Medicaid expansion, having Secretary Yellen coming to talk about infrastructure, it's not about Medicaid so much or infrastructure, it's about Georgia's political import. I will say, though, on that, on that Medicaid issue, it's really interesting. And this is something that I, you know, I would say to, to my Republican friends, this is one of those tricky issues for us on the Republican side, because... Uh, the majority of our folks in our primary aren't necessarily going to be crazy about Medicaid expansion, but a majority of the state would support it. Yeah, you, know, you know, if you if you pulled the issue, and so you know that's one of those issues that is you see the Democrat strategy play playing out there that in a general election it is a a net positive issue for them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, but it's tricky on both sides uh, of the aisle, don't you think, Alexis? I don't. I think it is very tricky for the Republicans uh, because they specifically specifically okay. because they have not uh, expanded the Medicaid uh, issue for the uh, last four years or more, and they also have an opportunity to be blocked from getting their waiver implemented because 
they are not playing the way they should play. And the majority of people do want to have access to adequate health care. And I think that's going to play to the benefit of the Democrats. You know, one thing that we've talked about, you know, and I was Governor Deal's communications director when Medicaid expansion really was put into the lap of the states where they get to decide. And so I sort of crafted the messaging around why we shouldn't do it. And and so uh, if you look back 10 years ago, uh, thir- you know, nine years ago, it was me talking about it. Um, so but you're the one. Yeah, yeah. it was me. Um, but the, it, it has changed some way. Back then, we thought Obamacare was going away. I don't think anybody thinks that today. And uh, 48, 49, no, no, I'm sorry, 38, 39 states have expanded now. So the pressure is going to continue. And what the Democrats are doing here. the pandemic, come on. Well, yeah. But even to the pandemic, this has not been something that Republicans think we should do. Uh, so the, and that's sort of the issue that Republicans face here. Well, the Republicans may not think it, but I think that the majority of people think it. That it needs to be expanded because of the pandemic and everything else. Talking one of the tough issues, uh, you know, Medicaid, health care, and, you know, we touched on infrastructure and, uh, you know, voting rights. And that certainly is an issue that's here to stay for, for some time. You know, with that said, frustration. I think frustration is mounting here at home. Yes, we're in the national spotlight, but we're hearing more and more about election reform when it comes to one particular county, and that is the biggest county here in our state, Fulton County. Are the people who are supposed to be honing in on this issue, honing in, and and by that I mean the people themselves. Of course, we have the Democrats and the Republicans talking about this, this move by the GOP to possibly force, you know, state control over Fulton County, but the people who are caught in between, are, are they alert and are, are they really talking about it and honing in on, on what's possibly, possibly happening here? Well, I think election integrity is certainly a huge issue. And I think that one, one thing that frustrates me about this issue is Republicans and Democrats talk about it in two very separate ways. And I don't really get that because the way I see it, when you you look at a systemic problem and we've had a systemic problem through the years uh, with Fulton County elections like last year, you know, absentee ballots didn't go out on time. When Democrats talk about the long lines and minority precincts, a lot of those were in Fulton County. And you look at the Park Tavern uh, precinct that they put together. There were there were long lines there. And so Democrats use these long lines and these problems and cite them as voter suppression and then blame Republicans for it. But these aren't Republican-led areas. These aren't Republican-led election boards. And so when Republicans talk about looking at Fulton County, it's looking at some of these issues that have been raised. And the way I see it, and I, I'm really looking forward to hearing from Chairman Pitts and Senator Brandon Beach, uh, both from Fulton County, to get their take on it. But the way I see it is Republicans are trying to make sure that the election works better. Well, I think this is a perfect time to welcome and make room here for our guest today, Fulton County Commission Chair Rob Pitts and Democrat and uh, State Senator Brandon Beach, uh, uh, Republican. And, and maybe you can answer my question in that we've got the Republicans and we've got, you know, the Democrats on both sides, our legislators, our, our elected officials. But I want to hear the message that you would sell to the person at home sitting around the kitchen table who needs to grasp what's at stake here. Senator Beach, I'd like to begin with you because a lot of your colleagues have a different method of trying to to reach this end result of Fulton County possibly being taken over by the state. Your message differs from a lot of them. And 
what is what is your what is your message? Let, let's begin with that first. Well, you know, you you talk about hearing from the people. That's what got me involved in this. I've had my cell phone on my website and on my state page since I was elected ten years ago, and I didn't get any calls. Even during the heartbeat bill and some really tough issues, my phone never rang. After November third, my phone blew up. It rang, and people were concerned. People sitting around the kitchen table, like you said, said, "What happened?" I went to bed, uh, and Trump won, and I got up, and it was just the opposite. Uh, they were frustrated. They were asking questions, and the phone rang. So I can just tell you it is top of mind on my constituents in District 21 because my phone rang. They asked questions. And to Brian's point, uh, Fulton County has had a chronic problem for a long, long time. And you had absentee ballots and you had, um, you know, drop boxes and so on and chain of custody. It just uh, it just got worse. And um, but I can go back for I've been here 27 years. And if you have two city council races, you don't get your results till two in the morning. And that's unacceptable. And I, I would say that that happened in Broward County and Dade County back in 2000. And I, I hate to use the word takeover, but we need to support Fulton County or help them or give them the resources to get their house in order so that they can have results back by 9, 9.30 at night like they do now in Broward and Dade County. We should be able to do the same thing. Back in 2000, those two counties down in Florida were the laughing stock of the country. We, we This last election were the laughing stock of the country when we found 4,000 votes two weeks later in Floyd County. That's unacceptable. Um, we've got to do a better job of that. We should have to. We should have our results done by 11 p.m. on the election night. We should know the results of the election. In my opinion, we have the ability to do that, and there's no reason we can't do that. So I need to go back to what Brian said earlier about 2020 and the long lines and all of the problems that were well documented. But the problems began in 2020. Uh, first of all, when the Secretary of State, our distinguished Secretary of State, changed the election date two or three times. We never knew when we were going to have an election, first of all. Number one, he also made a decision to send out probably 10 million, unheard of, 10 million absentee ballots. And we were deluged with those absentee ballots. And number three, the biggie at that time, well, before we get to the big one, new voting machines, no one had had any experience with those machines. And then lastly, on top of all that, COVID hit us. But in spite of all of that, I think Fulton County, County did a great job, but because of COVID, we were all set to go. COVID hit, we had the precincts in place, we had workers in place. Literally, days or a week before election day, places that had agreed to allow us to use them as polling places, they pulled out for fear of COVID. So at, what did that mean? That meant that we had to scramble around to find new polling places at the last minute. Park Tavern is a good example. Uh, number two, the poll workers that we had, many of them, in fact, four or five out of every seven that we had decided at the last minute they weren't going to work because of COVID. We scrambled around to find the workers, and we did. New machine, new equipment, for the first time, people were using them. In spite of all of that, we did a great job, in my judgment. In fact, uh, after the election, the distinguished, and I say that, the distinguished Secretary of State himself and his folk all came out and said that Fulton County did a great job. 
So what I'm concerned about and what I'm confused about is his statements then and his statements now. So which one is it, Mr. Secretary? You can't have it both ways. I understand politics as well as anybody. I understand and I love hardball politics and that's what this is. Talk about Senate Bill 202, which I think is a, is a, is a legislation that was passed. Uh, it is the law now and it was a great strategy and it is a great strategy and it's working. Uh, do I like everything about Senate Bill 202? Absolutely not. But there are three things that I focus in on. The other groups that are attacking all parts of it, I focus on three aspects, aspects of Senate Bill 202 that could apply to any of the 159 counties in Georgia. But because Fulton County is the largest and Fulton County is the most important, it's the most democratic in the state, we have a target on our back. So what are those no, three no. things? What are those no, three no, things? No. Pardon me? I was going to say, with all due respect, you know, we've heard the arguments on both sides, but it appears that this momentum is mounting in this effort. effort. Well, but let me, but it's important though, to, to, to understand what we're talking about here. The Senate Bill 202 is what we're talking about. Our, we, we successfully uh, deployed uh, drop boxes. We had 38, more than all the other surrounding counties combined. Our people loved them. Why? Because they didn't trust the U.S. Post Office and they wanted to use these drop boxes for those who wanted to, to, to vote by absentee ballot. They were available 24 hours a day. They were, they were secure. They were in public places and people loved them. Under Senate Bill uh, 202, we will be restricted to only eight and those eight will have to be inside uh, polling places during early voting and only accessible to folks uh, during the hours typically nine to five when the polling places are available. Number two, uh, we spent $700,000 and bought two mobile vehicles, very streamlined vehicles that the voters loved. And we bought them to use in case of emergencies. To give you an example of an emergency, there were power outages during that period of time at several of our precincts. So we would deploy those mobile voting units to wherever they were needed, either north side, south side, in Atlanta, it didn't really matter. People loved them and they worked for us. But the most important thing in Senate Bill 202 that I saw at the time that I knew would be a problem, not only for Fulton County, but potentially a problem for any county in Georgia was the fact that, uh, they, a, 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 that the state could take over uh, the local elections, Fulton County in particular, with only two, two senators and two uh, uh, member, two, Congress, two, two representatives rather, finding or concluding that there were problems uh, and then therefore could call for a review. And that's where we are now. They've taken the first step, which I think is great politics, two senators, I received a copy of a letter. They've taken the second step, two representatives have taken it, taken that step. So now it's up to the, to the uh, uh, state election board. Now there's some problems with this process that's going on, but I think it was brilliant strategy on their part. I don't think it's gonna work, but again, it's hardball politics. And it's not well, personal, great. but just a minute now, it's not personal, it's partisan, it's pure partisan politics. Brandon Beach is a friend of mine. He's on the other side of this. We smoke cigars together, you know, we drink whiskey together. I mean, that's just the way it's hardball politics. I love it. 
it's more than just politics, uh, Senator Beach. You, you think we're both for casinos too and, and horse racing. So uh, he's and listen, I, yeah. I, I like the dice. I will Read tell you, uh, <laughs> Chairman Pitts. Let me just say this: there's no chairman in the metro counties that is more about economic development and job creation than Chairman Rob Pitts. Rob's a he understands business. He under we're the number one state to do business in. We just disagree on this uh, election. Uh, Another important issue, uh, Amen. But we're here to talk about, uh, you know, this mounting effort for uh, the possibility, the possibility of uh, the state taking over Fulton County. And Senator Beach, this momentum, you know, started by your colleagues. Are are you on the same message? Are are you touting the same message at this point? And do you see a need for you to come together and, um, you know, come with one concerted effort? I think we will come together with a concerted effort. We're having a caucus meeting tomorrow. Uh, but I will tell you this, that I've, I've tried to steer away from using the word takeover and say we need to have resources and help Fulton County and help them get their act together and get their house in order so that we have confidence in the election system. And to Brian's point, don't have lines out the door. Uh, and, and we can have a, we've got, we have the possibility of having 19 days of early voting. Uh, we have uh, Saturday voting, Sunday voting. Um, so I, I just think that we need to make sure we have the uh, guardrails in place to have good, safe, secure, and confident elections for our, our uh, citizens in uh, Fulton County. That's the percentage of and that's the percent of the beaks that I know. And I, and I have heard from, uh, from uh, many uh, Republican representatives and senators whose names have not been mentioned in the paper who don't agree with everything that's going on about this takeover. So you'll begin to hear more about them. So I think the reasonable people are going to speak up. The Secretary of State is in a tough uh, situation. So it's really political for him. He fell out of favor with then President Trump and his crowd. And uh, now he's trying to recover to do anything that he can to curry favor with them. So what do you do? You attack the most populous uh, county in the state of Georgia, and that's what he's doing. I understand that. It's not working. He's going to lose no matter what he does. You know, I don't think that the whole thing with um, uh, Secretary Ravensburger, he didn't just start attacking Fulton County's election processes after the general election. I mean, he held a news conference outside of Park Tavern after the primary last year to draw attention to some of those issues. Now, I do, I do think that there was a tone change after the November election, after the senators, the our two then U.S. senators called on him to resign. Uh, but that was that was when the, the tone changed. It wasn't because uh, right out the gate uh, he started attacking Fulton County. He was pointing out problems of Fulton County back in the summer of last year. And I, I respect a lot of what uh, Chairman Pitts he gave you more time. You, you had more time as opposed to less time. I mean, it, it should have given you the opportunity to fix it. And, and I think that's the, the, the issue here is I, I understand uh, COVID was tough. I understand that this is the biggest county with the most voters. I understand all of that. But we have 159 counties, and the vast majority of them are able to carry out the absentee ballot program and Election Day uh, much better than Fulton County did. Fulton County did well this past election time in November. And I think the response is about wanting them to not win 
wanting Trump to win. That was the whole point. And that's why Senator Beach heard from his people, because they want Trump to win. But he did not win, and there was no problem with the election. This is, this is something that has happened over the years. Every 50 years, there's a new attempt to block the votes of people of color, and particularly black people in the South. And that's happening now. It's been happening since 2013 when they gutted the uh, voting rights bill by eliminating pre-clearance. Senator Beach, you've heard that before. What, what is your response to that? What is your response to what Alexis is, is saying here? No, I mean, in fact, because the, the, the percentage of black voters did not go down after 2013. And the percentage of black voters will not go down after uh, this new election law takes effect. And, we, and we're going to see that next year. And that's one thing I keep saying. Let's let the proof be in the pudding. I think we're going to see next year that this did not have an impact on turnout. This did not have an impact that is racially disparate, which is what this entire legal case is about. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about another important issue that is near and dear to both of you, and, and that's crime here in the Atlanta area. We'll be right back. Welcome back to another edition of Political Breakfast. I'm Lisa Ram. Uh, with me today, Republican strategist Brian Robinson and guesting is Alexis Scott, Democratic strategist. She's sitting in for for uh, Theron Johnson. And we have Fulton County Chairman Rob Pitts joining us today, as well as uh, State Senator Brandon Beach. Welcome both of you again. It's a pleasure to have you. And, you know, we've talked elections, we've talked uh, infrastructure and some of the, the key issues that are affecting uh, Fulton County, Atlanta, and the state of Georgia. But another one that's uh, really making headlines is, of course, the rise in crime. And a sidebar. Support for WABE comes from Capital Good Fund, introducing Georgia Bright Solar Lease Program, a new rooftop solar initiative designed to create pathways to equitable and inclusive solar, sustainability, and monthly savings for Georgians. Learn more at georgiabright.org. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender is the fact that city, county, and state leaders are trying to get on the same page when it comes to combating the, the crime uh, statistics that uh, seem to be going up in some places and down in others. But uh, getting on one page has been hard. Uh, any remarks from you, Chairman Pitts, uh, can you set off the conversation and talk about why it's been so hard and what needs to be done to uh, coordinate efforts uh, with state and city officials as well? Well, I think the, the, the first step is going to be uh, determined uh, in November when we have a new mayor. Uh, it's pretty clear that a lot happened uh, under the leadership of Mayor Bottoms, and I won't get into what she did right or did wrong. Oh, please do. That'll be good radio. Well, no, 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 because I think that I'm a, I'm a person, I like to look forward. <laughs> this is why you've lasted so long, Mr. Sheriff, and you're great. <laughs> I learned a lot from Senator Beach. <laughs> so, but if you look forward to look at the list of candidates so far, and, and, and clearly, and I have to work with whoever the winner is. Let's be real clear about that. I have to work with whoever the winner is. But if you look at the candidates, 
uh, mayor, former mayor Reed. Uh, he has the name recognition. He's going to have all the money in the world. He had a great working relationship with the business community. He had a fabulous working. And, and he touts those low. He touts those low crime figures. Uh, you know that he's had when he was in office. He was tough on crime, so he is clearly the front runner, and he has his fingers on the pulse when it comes to crime. So he. Now the question, for, in, in my mind, is um, whether or not he'll be able to win without a runoff. So the race right now is who will who, is, who will be in a runoff with him. Felicia Moore is like a, a pro, protege of mine, and I still tell you that word to ask her. Sometimes I say, well, I trained her because we worked together, and she came up under me, so I have a very close working relationship with her. But if you list all the candidates, I mean. Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder, they could see who the front runner is at this point. So Yeah, I have a question for Senator Beach yeah, on this topic, and this is something related to the General Assembly. The uh, General Assembly will be asked to vote on whether or not the city uh, of Buckhead will be allowed to be voted on. Do you think that there's support in the General Assembly for that, Brandon? And further, do you think that there's a wait-and-see attitude amongst legislators to see who wins the mayorship? I think there's growing momentum. I'm carrying that bill. I'm sponsoring that bill. I went to a fundraiser across the street from the governor's mansion at Warren Jolly's house, and there were 350 people there uh, for the city of Buckhead movement. And I can tell you, Chairman Pitts is right. It's, it's revolving around one issue, crime, crime, crime. Every time I go to Buckhead for a dinner, that's the, the uh, topic, that's the conversation. I had a gentleman tell me the other day he will not allow his wife to go gas her car up in Buckhead in broad daylight. He goes and gas her car up for the week so she doesn't have to go. He will not allow her to go to a gas station in broad daylight. That's a problem. And we've got to get the crime under control and we got to get people feeling safe. I do agree. It's the mayor that comes in is going to have to focus on on getting more police officers hired. I think there's two to 250 Atlanta police officers jobs that need to be filled. I also think we need to have a, a better training center. Uh, the city of Atlanta's training center is quite frankly not up to par. Uh, and it need, they've got property, they can build a new one, they should do a joint venture with Fulton County and some others to where everybody can use it and, and help offset the cost. But it's kind of like in athletics, when you go recruit a player to play at Georgia or LSU, you better have a nice locker room, you, have, you better have great facilities are those ball players don't want to go there. And if we want to recruit top police officers, we've got to give them the tools and the facilities and the training to do the job they need to do. Uh, and so I, I can just tell you, uh, I, I can tell you my wife and I were out, I'll give you this example. We were out waiting our, for our Uber at a condo we own down in Buckhead. We were going to a dinner and there must've been 75 of these four wheelers and street racing and it, it was pretty intimidating. It scared us a little bit. We, we wanted to go back inside quick because it was, it was, I was a little bit scared for my, myself with the way they were doing donuts and wheelies and so on. You just, it, it's a scary situation down there. And that's just one aspect of, but, but I'm talking about the, the, the murders and the muggings. And, and I will tell you this, I serve on the World Congress Center at Oversight Authority. If we're gonna have convention business, if we're gonna have Super Bowls, we have to have a safe city. We have to have a safe sure. capital city. Sure. But again, the initial question, you know, you've got city leaders, you've got state leaders, and you have county leaders all having different plans. How do we get them on one page? Uh, is it possible, um, you know, to, to do this? And 
during this very intense time. It was Senator Beach and, 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 and how he sees that the crime situation and, and this whole uh, move the city of Buckhead. Uh, this this issue raises its head every you know every every so often. However, the difference this time though is that it has significant momentum. I happen to live in Buckhead, and I hear this on a day in and day out basis. I mean, it's real. Do it, it's well funded, and this crime situation is playing into the hands of this movement. Now, all that being said, though, do I think in the final analysis it's going to succeed? No, I do not. And that, I think, will depend upon a lot and will depend upon who is the next mayor of Atlanta and who can address this crime issue. Absolutely. You know, there are some city council members running who voted for that defund the police motion in the city council. I think that would just put uh, gas on the fire if someone like And I don't think they will. I think you're right, Chairman Pitts. I think uh, Kasim certainly seems to be the front runner right now. He's got a strong case to make. And I think he would put at ease some of these people who who um, are worried about crime. Because, you know, uh, y'all, y'all told personal stories. I live just outside of Buckhead in, in Brookhaven. And when my wife goes out for a walk with our dog and daughter, she's like, if you don't hear from me in an hour, call the police. You know, and that, that that's never happened before, right? We, we, we've never had to feel that way. The, the Leonard Square, Phipps Plaza, metal detectors, police dogs. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? But I would also say this. it's Women getting murdered at Piedmont Park, too. Yeah. yeah. It's southwest Atlanta and it's south Fulton County as well. Let's be real clear about that. The focal point seems to be Atlanta, but it's, it's, it's countywide. Young folk were left unattended to because they couldn't go to school, they couldn't do anything, they couldn't go anywhere, so they just decided to wreak havoc. And it does need to be put under control. It's really awful that we have to be afraid to go out of the house like that. You know, I, I, I'll add on to that, Alexis. You're absolutely right. I do think that there is a mental health crisis unfolding because of the pandemic. People who are scared, people who are locked up for too, I mean, you know, closed up for too long. And that's something we're, we're going to have to face. But I think that on the parallel track is we had this crisis last year of police being blamed for everything off the bat. And no due process. I, I'm still, and, and listeners of Political Breakfast have heard this, I am still upset that Officer Roth is still under indictment. Uh, that that should have never happened. That was uh, overreached by Paul Howard. Everybody knows it. And uh, that sort of thing sends a strong message to police. Why go into a violent situation where bad things are going to happen if no matter what happens, you're to blame? Well, that was too bad. I mean, Paul Howard was making a political posture there because he knew he was in trouble with the election, which he did finally lose. But it's unfortunate that he did that. But I do think that we need to make sure that the police are playing by correct rules. As we've seen with the George Floyd incident, sometimes they don't. And they need to be held account when they don't. You're hearing time and time again, everybody puts out, you know, the plan to hiring more officers on the street. Can, can we end with some thoughts there? Uh, is, is that the solution or just the beginning? Senator Beach? I think it's a start. You have to have the resources and the, the human capital and manpower uh, in place. And, and you have to have that police presence. But then to Alexis's point, you have to have them trained. Uh, we also have a mental health crisis. My sheriff in Cherokee County tells me the biggest problem in his jails is mental health uh, folks that are 
that are incarcerated that really are, are a problem and we need the bad people in jail and we need to find somewhere for these folks with mental health issues to get get help um, and it's not in the jails i can tell you my sheriff uh in cherokee county frank reynolds complains to me all the time y'all have got to do something to help us on the this mental health issue crisis and i'm sure chairman pitch you have the same situation in fulton county's jail yeah. Um, yeah so it's not just uh you know a cherokee county problem uh, i'm sure it's throughout the state so we need to work on that but i do think more police officers i can tell you um when you have the state troopers uh at the capitol we saw a much safer state capitol when you had police presence um it's just it's just natural so um I think we have to have the police officers, but we have to have the tools, the resources, and the training. Um, and then we got to get the community to, as Brian said, not blame the police for everything. We got to, you know, say, hey, these are good guys. They're 99% of them are good folks that want to do a good job. Uh, do we have a few bad apples? Yes, we do, but you have that in everything. We have to get good quality people to want to be police officers. Are you on the same page, Chairman Pitts? What a reasonable guy Senator the beach is. That's why that Senate Bill 202 is just pure hardball politics. But, he, <laughs> <laughs> but every every jurisdiction needs additional police officers. And so, you know, if one, if, if, if we in Fulton County, if we pay ours $1,000 more than anybody else, we'll have a flood of applications. If the Cab County raises, beats us, you know, they by 2000, they'll have a flood of applicants. There's not enough to go around. There is though, this mental health issue and the, and the uh, substance abuse, that's clear in every jail. And we though, from a mental health point of view, we at the county jail, we become sort of the uh, mental health hospital for the state. Now that's where the state of Georgia has a much greater role to play because there's a percentage of our uh, folk in our jail, we're overcrowded, but there are a percentage of folk in there who need uh, to be in a mental institution, but they're, since they've cut back on those, we're housing them in our jail, which leads to the overcrowding. So, but mental health is, is, a, is a huge issue for us and drug abuse. That's right. Just as they came up with the uh, drug court for drug abuse treatment, they need to do the same for mental health treatment and get those folks and help that they need. And a lot of people turn to drugs to self-medicate who have mental issues. And that leads to crime as well because they have to do something with their habit and et cetera, et cetera. So it really is an important issue that needs to be addressed. Well, I wouldn't be doing my job as a former Governor Deal spokesperson if I didn't mention out, mention that uh, he did tremendous work in setting up mental health and drug courts and veterans courts to deal with some of these issues. And uh, obviously, we don't have the resources to have them everywhere we would want them, but that's going to be part of what we have to do moving forward. Everybody's shaking their head in agreement, so I think that's the perfect time to end. Chairman Pitts, Senator Beach, thank you so much for being our special guest today. I'm sure we'll be calling on you more and more, you know, with election crime uh, issues that just won't go away overnight, will they? Senator, Senator Beach used an example of athletes going to Georgia and LSU, but they also go to Ohio State. <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us for another edition of Political Breakfast. We'll uh, see you at the table next week. Thanks. Have a great week.
Hey y'all, I'm Mark Kendall. And I'm David Perdue. And we're the hosts of What's Good Atlanta, the new weekly comedy podcast from WABE. On What's Good Atlanta, we run down uplifting and unusual headlines from the universe known as Atlanta. And while we may not be journalists, we are comedians, and we'll be breaking down news and breaking down the stories that make you smile. We're just trying to see what's good, Atlanta. Episodes drop Fridays at WABE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I get mine from a guy named Craig. Shout out to Craig. Mm-hmm. W-A-B-E. Ever wondered where to find the best dumplings in town? Curious about Atlanta's obsession with lemon pepper? Join us on Savory Stories, a new podcast as we uncover the untold tales behind Atlanta's culinary scene. From the roots of your favorite dishes to the creators that bring them to life, we're diving deep into the heart of the city's food culture. Listen to Savory Stories at wabe.org slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E. 